Hello, everyone. Welcome to Smoke the Podcast. This is episode eight. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in as usual. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Um, so, what's the smoke of the day? Uh, the HC Series Connecticut. Uh, what's in the glass? Uh, in the glass today, we have the Rebel Yale Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Awesome. And uh, our triggered firearms topic today, California Compliant, a.k.a. Featureless ARs. Awesome. I'm excited to talk about this topic. All right. Let's get into the smoke of the day. Absolutely. You want to go ahead and pour the whiskey, and I'll, uh, I'll read what Cigar International has to say about the HC Series Connecticut Cigar. Will do. So, uh, the HC Connecticut is a cigar uh, that has been five years in the making, um, just enough time to make it perfect. Uh, this complex blend is chock full of aged Costa Rican, Mexican, and Nicaraguan long fillers, all held together with a feisty Sumatra binder. Uh, topping off this complex bouquet is a beautiful Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. The end result is a stunning stick that provides a highly unique and enjoyable experience as the distinct tobaccos truly shine. The HC Connecticut delivers a smooth, creamy, and nutty uh, nuance backed by a subtle to medium-bodied profile. Simply put, it is worth the five-year wait. Um, So we have already lit these up, and we are about probably halfway through the first third, I would say. Yeah, I'm about halfway through the first third. I'm really enjoying this, uh, but so far, um, I did have to do a little retouch. Um, It was burning a little unevenly, and I think I got a good light at the beginning. But in the cigar's defense, um, we were setting this whole podcast up, so I wasn't paying as close of attention to it as maybe I would um, now just normally. Yeah, yeah sitting here and, and talking. Um, yeah, and mine as well, although um, my burn has stayed pretty true. I noticed it ashed, mine ashed quickly. Um, but again, we were setting up and, and I was kind of, I think I knocked it around a little bit. So that could be why. Um, so you, here's some unique facts just really quickly about this particular cigar. The HC Series Connecticut that we're smoking today is actually a Robusto in size, which is pretty common for us. That's mm-hmm. typically the size that we prefer, um, which means it's about five inches long and a 50 size ring gauge. Um, and so a little on the thicker side, but um, just a standard Robusto. Uh, so far for me, um, as far as the flavor goes, I can definitely say it is a little more towards the medium side without quite being a medium cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely tasting the nuttiness um, that they talk about in there as well. But it, but it is uh, somewhat smooth. Yes, it's very smooth. Um, I, my, uh, the aroma that I'm getting off of it is uh, I'm getting sweetness and not like artificial sweetness, but sweetness uh, from tobacco leaf sweetness. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, smells really good, and it's coming off a little bit in the flavor. Not not too much bite. Yeah. Um, but a lot of flavor. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Oftentimes, when you have a cigar that's got a lot of flavor, usually you've got a lot of bite that goes with it, and that that can be quite tough um, sometimes to to get through. But, yeah, I'm um, not getting any pepperiness. No, this um, one this at one all from this this one's definitely been uh, smooth. Not to me, not so creamy, but um, which is what they describe it as. But um, definitely smooth with a lot of flavor to it. Um, another unique fact is it's made by Sycar, which I know we've talked about their products before. They make some awesome cutters, lighters. Um, 
I believe they make ashtrays. They're really, really big in the cigar world because they have these lifetime warranties on all of their products and they make solid, solid products. So yeah, they make pretty much any kind of cigar accessory you can think of. Yeah, and so it's interesting to see that they have their own line essentially of cigars um, and this thing is, is pretty delicious. So um, I noticed to me the wrapper on mine, I have a couple of mild like cracks in my wrapper. Um, and this has sit, been sitting in a humidor, so um, I know it didn't have to do. I, I think, uh, if I remember right, I received them and, and noticed them upon um, getting them uh, out of the box. So um, they go for about eighty dollars on Cigar International for a box of twenty, which brings them out to about four dollars per cigar. At a cigar shop, though, you'll pay about ten dollars per cigar with an MSRP of one forty-five for a box of twenty. So yeah, and I cut mine with um, you know a perfect cutter style cutter. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's the cutter that has a little stop. Uh, so you just put your cigar uh, in there to, to the end where it stops and you clip it. Right. Um, so it cuts it about the same every time. Um, and it, it's got a great draw. Yeah, um, excellent draw. The The cap is holding up really well too. Yes. Um, the only, Like I said, I just – I noticed a couple of slight cracks or chips in the um, – in the wrapper, which I mean isn't uncommon if you're having cigars shipped to you. Um, yes, I don't see any on my wrapper though. Okay, uh, but yeah, I can see yeah. yours. I mean, okay, but yeah, I mean, at, one, at the end one. of the day, for four dollars a cigar, it tastes great, so I'm not really concerned with the wrapper too much. <laughs> yes, uh, this would be one um, that that I would smoke. I would smoke more than, than one of these. Oh yeah, I, I think I could easily uh, just even on the initial light. I think I could easily go with a box of these and probably be pretty happy. Um, overall. So, all right, Teddy, what's in the glass? Uh, in the glass, we have Rebel Yell, uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, so these are the tasting notes by the chaps at Master of Malt. Okay. Um, on the nose, uh, they're saying honey, slightly woody raisin, and candy sticks. On the palate, uh, nectarine and hints of prune. It also says sultanas, which I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, but I'm assuming these guys, uh, the, the chaps at uh, <laughs> Master of Malt are maybe European. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Or they um, just know more than we do. <laughs> and it says vanilla throughout. Okay. Finish, warming pressed apple. Okay. And overall, they said still enjoyable in the midnight hour. <laughs> oh, that's punny. <laughs> <laughs> a little play on the Rebel Yell. Oh, and man. you're familiar with the song. Uh, <laughs> so let's give it a taste. Billy Idol would be proud. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Wow. Wow, that's pretty sweet. That actually makes me cry more, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's a lot sweeter than I expected. Yeah. Um, that's got, yeah. Pairs well with the cigar, the sweetness of the tobacco. It's not sweetened though, is it? It does not look like it. No, it's not like a liqueur or anything like that. Uh, Honestly, I would consider this like more similar to almost like a Southern comfort or something without, I mean, I know it's not, yeah, it's the, it's not flavored or anything. So. Yeah, this is very sweet for a, a a bourbon bourbon. whiskey that I've Yeah. Well. Um, but some unique facts, it's 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof, um, approximately $20. That's what I've seen it for, um, pretty much online everywhere. $20 for the 750 milliliter. Okay. Um, and this particular, uh, recipe, uh, has been around since 1849. Oh, wow. Uh, which is pretty common for, uh, bourbons. They've kind of, they, 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 um, they're pretty old, old recipes, a lot of them. Um, 
But yeah, this this is this is very very sweet. I wonder if that's how it got the Rebel Yell name. I mean, uh, eighteen forty nine was prior to the Civil War, so yeah, could be. I wonder if you know if that had anything to do with the name. But um, but I mean, smelling it, you can smell the honey, and actually, it says the finish the warming pressed apple, but I smell a lot of apple in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting the pressed apple after flavor so much as I'm just I feel like I'm getting almost like a sugary. Uh, sweet kind of um, finish uh, to it. I can definitely taste the the vanilla, and then I I wonder if by candy sticks they mean like those like um, kind of like they're like peppermint sticks, but they have different flavors. You know, like grape and apple and cherry or whatever. Um, I, like I'm tasting, I get kind of where they're coming from with that because it does. It's kind of sugary, kind of. Got a fruity almost flavor to it. You're like dried fruit. Yeah, yeah, um, something like that. With, but definitely the sugary sweet flavor as well. Um, and it's surprising that it is forty percent because honestly, it tastes more like a like we said a liqueur at like like thirty percent or something like you know what yeah. I mean, like a Southern Comfort or something to that that effect. I mean, it's good though. I could I could definitely drink this. I think it would be really good mixed with like a, a cola or yeah, and especially or a the, sweet tea with, with the price point. You don't feel bad for making. Yeah, it. no, yeah, you don't uh, feel bad at all. I would uh, suggest this for maybe someone that doesn't drink a lot of bourbon, mm-hmm. trying to get into it. Um, this would be maybe one that they can try straight uh, on the rocks. Well, we always talk about Gentleman Jack as being like the great introductory, yeah. like for sipping, uh, introductory sipping whiskey. Um, that one, it's bold, but it, it, like, as far as the, the alcohol, um, kind of flavor to it, to me, this one does not have a bite. It's really sweet. So this is almost, uh, in my opinion, even probably easier than like a, uh, than a, a gentleman Jack, but I, yeah, I would agree with that. Overall, I, I kind of enjoy it. Uh, it is a tad sweeter than I, I would probably would prefer for a sipping whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right, well, let's get into the triggered uh, firearms uh, part of this. Um, so today's topics: the California compliant or featureless ARs. Um, for those of you that don't live in California, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I believe there's a few other states that do featureless, like New York. Um, yes, New York. Uh, is Massachusetts um, one of uh, – honestly, I have no idea other than New York. I know um, there's a lot of states that are, are, are pushing bills right now for featureless ARs or at least – um, maybe not the same feature list that we have in California, but to remove some of the features. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that this is going to be a topic that's going to be nationwide here pretty soon, unfortunately. Um, I'm, you know, so. But uh, yeah, so pretty much um, with Bill uh, SB eight eight zero is uh, assault weapon classification, and that's where this all this, these laws come from, um, and th- that was. In my opinion, and this is this is all our opinions, and yeah. you know, if if uh, if you're planning on building one, you do your own research and make sure yeah. <laughs> uh, you uh, find out for yourself what's legal. Don't yes. go by our word. Yeah. Um, but you know, in my opinion, this bill was aimed directly at uh, two rifles, which would be the AR-15 and the AK-47. Yep. Um, uh, even though you know they can't really say that. Those specifically are, you know, I don't know if they can or not, but um, I, I think that's pretty much what they uh, what they were aimed at. So, um, for it, my, yeah, primarily, although I will say this, the assault weapon classification, so that the SB eight eighty um, also includes things like 
semi-automatic shotguns with like box-fed magazines and things like that. So yes, I would say like 90%, 80 to 90% is, is uh, AR, uh, AR variants and AK variants. Um, it'll also include some of the other variants like uh, FALs and, and, okay. and, and yeah, scars and things like that. They're not, they're not as popular. No, and they're not. They're really not. For the yeah. price point to, to, you know, that's like putting training wheels on a Cadillac. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's like no reason to do it. Um, so, but yeah, it does, it does um, actually talk about a few other options. But yeah, uh, Theodore's right that it's, you know, it really, really just targets the AR variants and the AK variants. And for those of you that don't know, just a little background – AR does not mean assault rifle. It means uh, Armalite rifle, which was the company that originally developed uh, this uh, weapon system, essentially. Um, and so what they're actually talking about is this specific uh, Armalite uh, weapon system. And that's the, the, um, what we're mostly going to be talking about today. Yeah, so what this bill um, pretty much says is, is it names the evil features that – quote, unquote, evil features – um, that are no longer legal in California. For any uh, – uh, basically these evil features when on any gun really um, that is a semi-automatic center fire um, rifle. When they're on um, any of – when any of these features are found on, on those firearms or those weapon systems, they immediately uh, turn it into an assault weapon. Yes. Um, and so that, that's what these evil features are that we're going to talk about. So the evil features um, are a pistol grip, a vertical pistol grip, uh, telescoping or folding stock, um, flash hider or suppressor, uh-huh. um, a vertical pistol foregrip, yep. um, and then you know your other stuff like grenade, flare launcher, uh, uh, underbarrel uh, chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually, I think underbarrel uh, shotguns. Some of the guys call them like the master keys or mm-hmm. things like that. Also are included in this, um, but that's not really anything that we have here, anyways. So yeah, and prior to the um, SB eight eighty, uh, one of the workarounds was a bullet button, and um, pretty much what the bullet button did was it made your magazine quote unquote fixed. Um, so you had to have a tool to remove your magazine or um, the tip of a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Or the tip of a bullet. So in other words, you, you couldn't just use your magazine release on your AR with your finger. You had to use, uh, something to, uh, to, to release your magazine. Um, that is no longer a, an acceptable workaround. Yep. And I believe as of 2017, if you owned one, your, um, weapon was, would have to be registered as an assault weapon right. if left with that configuration. Right. And considering we're past the registration period, we're not even going to touch on registered assault rifles whatsoever. Yeah, um, I don't recommend registering your assault yep, rifle. Absolutely. And, and neither <laughs> do I. So as, as long as we're in agreement on that, let's talk about the first acceptable um, workaround or the first acceptable uh, version of an AR-15 uh, or AR-10 rifle in, in California. And that is the featureless, which is essentially our main topic today. Yeah. So um, with featureless, really what we're doing is we're stripping away the evil features and we're using California compliant features. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each one of those features that we talked about and share with you guys some of the California compliant, uh, uh, I guess, parts or equipment, whatever you want to call it, um, that are that are legal yeah. and, and that are uh, uh, acceptable uh, to the law. Again, don't take our word for it. Do your own research. But yeah. we thought we would like at least try and 
talk about it a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is uh, one of those things where there's going to be some gray areas, and we'll point those out as we go along. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get started on the types of grips. Now, this is this is uh, to replace the uh, vertical pistol grip that sits on the lower receiver of the AR or the AK. Okay. Yeah. So um, one of the one of the grips. Basically, they don't want you to be able to put your thumb around the grip. Um, so a lot of companies are just using a Kydex fin. Yeah. Um, so you pretty much just fit your, your grip with a fin um, that extends out so you can't put your thumb around it. Yeah. Um, uh, basically preventing – I, I, I'm not a big fan um, because it, it prevents you from hit, hitting your, uh, your selector, your, your, your safety. safety selector, yeah, your um, fire selector. But the the other the the pros of this one, in my opinion, is it's tip it's you, you it fits over your existing grip. Yeah. And it's just like one screw. Oh uh, yeah. You know you can have one screw and it's it's removed in case you know you ever need to use it for a different application. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the one great thing about it too is if you are going to go out of state, you do any shooting competitions out of state or or anything like that. It's really quick and easy to pull the Kydex fin off. Like you said, it's one screw, and now you're ready to go. You got your, your standard pistol grip in there. And some guys prefer to have that. Um, and just to stay California compliant, they keep that fin on there, and then they will drive far enough to be out of state and go shoot in other places, things like that. Um, it's also good for guys who are going to be coming into California um, and participating in any kind of, of uh, shooting sports or anything like that as well. Um, the next one um, is the permanent fin, which essentially is the exact same thing as the Kydex fin, except that the pistol grip has this big old shark fin that comes out of the back of it. Yeah, and um, <laughs> not removable. Not removable <laughs> yeah. at all. It's it's super inconvenient to use. And with that, typically you're going to have to update your safety or your fire selector to be on um, whatever side your thumb is going to rest. So if you're right-handed, you're going to actually have to buy an additional or ambidextrous. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think most people go with the ambidextrous. Yeah, so just because it's, it's on both sides. Yeah, and, just and that's a little bit easier. Yeah, but I mean, again, that's the the fins alone are, are the permanent fins alone are an added cost. Plus, now you got to buy a ambidextrous safety, and you know, before you know it, the costs start adding up to convert everything. So um, my favorite type of grip. Um, is the Ledesma uh, style grip, the Ledesma arms. Um, they make this awesome angled pistol grip that is is almost uh, horizontal rather than vertical mm -hmm. out of the back. And it's perfect because, I mean, this thing, it, it feels like a pistol grip, but it keeps your thumb and the web of your, um, basically the web between your thumb and index finger up above the, the trigger where it's supposed to be. And it meets DOJ standards. Yeah. And it's almost like, um, it, it feels similar to, to holding a shotgun or, you know, anything. Like a rifle yeah, stock. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 yeah. Like a regular rifle stock or, um, uh, almost like a mini 14 yeah, style. Yeah. Kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can kind of rest almost up above the, yeah, up above the trigger and you're reaching down rather than up for the trigger. Um, and, and the other cool thing about this Ledesma uh, grip is that it is notched. So if you do go out of state, you can actually angle it to be a normal, like standard pistol grip. Yeah, you would just have to loosen the, the, bolt, the screw a little bit. Yep, and, and then just boom, and you're ready to, and go, ready to go, which yeah. is super cool. Um, it's got the storage underneath to you know put oil or whatever it is that you want to keep within the grip as well. 
Um, personally, that is the feature that I put on my AR-15 as far as grip goes, and I love it. Yeah, it's the best compromise. And it's it's ergonomic without being like – there's some of these like stock grip combos, which we'll get into, that are super like weird looking. I mean they're, they're ergonomic. They work well, but they just – this still makes it – it gives the AR-15 the same look and feel of an AR-15. Um, so yeah. And um, anything else on grips? Um, no, I mean that, that's pretty much uh, pretty much your main ones. Right. So obviously with the grip, um, whatever grip you choose, you also want to be mindful of the stock that you put on um, the AR as well because that's all going to go hand in hand. So um, let's talk about some of the featureless stocks in California. Um, well, if you're running a rifle, uh, rifle length AR, um, the A2 style is classic <laughs> classic <laughs> yeah i love that a2 style it's pretty cool looking yeah i mean uh yeah they're, they're really cool looking you know they're uh your classic uh you know vietnam looking uh, <laughs> m16, m16 style yeah yeah, yeah and those are cool um yeah those are definitely great if it, on top of that too again if you're doing that um they also makes uh i think mo or what is it the moe uh, magpul makes a rifle a fixed rifle stock uh-huh. that's similar to it, but a little more uh, lightweight and compact. Um, but it still fits on the rifle um, style, like buffer and spring tube and everything. Yeah, and um, I believe Magpul also makes a carbine style. Yes. Uh, for the carbine length, yeah. uh, that's that's a fixed stock also. Right. There, there's actually quite a few companies that make fixed rifle and carbine style stocks. Um, and they're all pretty similar. Um, and essentially they all do the same thing. They're all just a fixed length. You throw Mm -hmm. it on there and and you're good to go. Um, what I personally did on mine was I went with an adjustable stock just simply because I'm a little bit shorter in build. And so I wanted something shorter than your average, um, stock. So I went with a, uh, uh, what would you call that? An adjust, essentially an adjustable carving stock. Yeah, just your your standard, which is standard on most uh, ARs. Yeah, yeah, and they make AR them in, in all different styles. You've got the standard M4 style um, stock. I went with the Magpul MOE, and again, it's adjustable, but what you do is you purchase um, a stock lock for it. And and essentially what that is is it you, you pull the pin um, that, that allows the um, adjustable lever to uh, basically operate. Mm-hmm. And you figure out where you want it on your buffer tube, you stick the pin in there and it's fixed so it can't move. And then you, you basically push your roll pin back in and now it's a, it's a fixed stock. Yeah, so essentially it just prevents your stock, the, the little um, handle that you squeeze lever. to yeah. adjust it, it, is, it prevents that from, yeah, from just, working. It renders it useless. But what's cool is, again, you have that for, again, someone like myself who wants it a little bit shorter, a little bit more compact, I was able to get a smaller a smaller stock for myself, which is, is perfect. So, yeah, the, um, the only thing with the, the pin stocks is when you, when you want to install them, they're not quite that simple. It, yeah. It, yeah. Cause there's a roll pin you got to take out and, yeah. um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it took us a while. It's not, it's not one of those things that, uh, you're going to be able to swap out in and out really, really easily. Right. And again, if, if you're one of those guys where you just know what you want, it's, it's a perfect solution. But yeah, if you're considering, well, maybe I want to try this or that. Um, yeah, it's definitely a tougher solution for guys that are actually, so the, um, the one that we're talking about, it's actually the, the, it just immobilizes your, um, your adjustment lever. 
But there are actual ones that, that don't immobilize the adjustment lever, but they immobilize the, the entire stock itself. And you mm-hmm. got to drill through the stock and yeah. pour some resin and put like a, I mean, it's a, it's a whole ordeal. So yeah, that, that's not something um, that I would do uh, because I'm not a gunsmith. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd be afraid to punch through something or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I try not to make those types of permanent adjustments. Right. Um, right. Uh, but I mean, if, if, you know, you are and, and you're handy with that kind of stuff, then go for go, it. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, and then kind of since we've been talking about both stocks and grips, we have the stock grip combos. Now, uh, these are typically either the stock and grip are one piece or they're two separate pieces, but they all function as, as one piece. Um, the most popular one that we've seen in California since the featureless, uh, like rifle laws came out is the Thordson stock. And that one basically runs, um, it starts with, with the pistol grip and then it's all one piece comes up into a, into a stock. And then your buffer tube just kind of stands alone on the back of the AR. Yes. Um, me personally, I don't like the way it looks. <laughs> I can't stand the way it looks, but I have fired one and they are super ergonomic and they feel good. I just can't stand the way it looks. Yes. It, it really, um, it looks like a space age. It, it, yeah. It does not, it, it, it changes the whole look of the AR. Uh, and the one thing that surprised me with the Ledesma is it really doesn't change the look that much. No. Um, even though the, the grip's angled, uh, it doesn't look terribly different. You know, it doesn't look out of place. Yeah. Uh, when you see a, a Thorson stock, it, it almost makes you do like a double take. Like, whoa, is that an AR? You know? Like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of them that are, that are like that. These new, like, featureless stock grip combos. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The Ledesma, if you see it side by side, you can totally tell the difference mm. with, a, with a regular AR versus a featureless AR. But yeah, when you see it on its own, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's a really cool looking AR. And then go, something's maybe a little different about it or whatever. But yeah, this Thordson makes it look like it's from, you know, out of, out of space or from I don't know. From, yeah, future AR. <laughs> <laughs> it shoots uh, lasers. <laughs> uh, the other one that I'm not a huge fan of as far as looks is the Hera, the Hera CQR. Oh, that thing is. Um, and, and to me, that one, uh, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't have the... Uh, it, it doesn't have the same feel as the Thornton because you can't wrap your thumb around it. Mm-mm. You know, it it, it basically um, was designed uh, as a thumb hole. Th- yeah. Where you put your thumb through it. Um, but for the California, they just plug the thumb hole. <laughs> yeah. So it's one massive, like, chunk of plastic, it, square it, chunk yeah. of plastic coming out of the back of your gun. Yeah. And that combines your buffer tube and your grip and your stock, everything all into all, one. Yeah. And it just... It's weird. It definitely looks weird. Yeah. It literally looks like you have a giant rectangle coming out of the back of your, your, uh, AR can't stand the way it looks. And that one I have not fired. I've handled, um, an AR that had it just, just to kind of see how it felt. And honestly, I was like, I have no desire to even shoot this thing. Um, yeah, they're, they're terrible. Um, and then last but not least would be a standard hunting rifle stock. Um, that would be something similar to like your just a rifle or shotgun stock, like a Mossberg or whatever. Uh-huh. And they make them that essentially are modified to fit onto the back of an AR receiver. 
Um, some of them have the buffer tube that runs through it. Some of them, the buffer tube sits above it. They're, they just, they're all different and they come in different yeah, shapes and sizes. Yeah, I would think that that would fit more on a, an AK since the... Uh, it does, yeah. yeah. It tends to work a lot better with the AKs. The, the other um, one, they make one that looks like the old school World War II BAR, the Browning Automatic uh-huh. Rifle. And that one looks pretty cool, but that's just a bulky, heavy stock. Um, um, well, I don't know if that. you've seen the uh, like Jesse James firearm style. Um, it, it has the hunting rifle stock. It it's kind of like a. I mean, it looks like an AR platform, but um, the bolt doesn't run all the way out. Okay, you know, like uh, uh, like your standard AR. Yeah, um, it has the charging handle on the side, almost like a, like an AK. It looks like a mix between an AK huh. and AR. Okay, um, and they're actually really cool, but you know they're. Uh, they're handmade and they're super expensive. Super expensive, yeah. Um, but they yeah. are California legal. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where if you're going to do the stock grip combo, do a lot of research. And if you can get your hands on it before you install it, try it out. Yes. Because, I, you know, it's 100%. one of those things where if you're going to spend $100, $200, even on upwards of $500,000 on a totally new system, make sure it's a system that you can actually operate with, that you can actually utilize. Yeah, and since uh, all these laws passed, you can go online and you can see people uh, reviewing all of them. Yeah. Uh, There's tons of reviews uh, for these from all of our uh, California brethren (laughs) who have to uh, put up with all this. The California. Yeah, Yeah. all this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, This does not make your (laughs) AR any... Less effective. I don't, I don't understand uh, well, this whole I, thing, but I think that, that's e- a whole different issue. Yeah, it is a whole different <laughs> it's issue. It's a whole different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So now that we've got the stock, uh, the grip taken care of, or stock grip combo, now we got to talk about the muzzle brake, um, or well, the, the, the flash suppressor or lack thereof. We can't have yeah. flash suppressors here. So what do you suggest? Um, well, this is the area where I think there is the most uh, gray area. Because there are a lot of muzzle brakes um, that are advertised as flash suppressor and compensator combinations. And there's not really any clear-cut definition of what a flash suppressor is in the law from what I understand. Um, So I just know that I would avoid putting on your standard birdcage flash hider. Uh, that comes on all the <laughs> yeah. ARs, pretty much. I think it's the A2. Yeah, is, is like the most common. And and those those are the ones um, that I just think are flash hiders. Even though they don't hide your flash, <laughs> yeah, it just mitigates it, controls it a little bit. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that I believe they're trying to outlaw, and I, I don't necessarily know if they're trying to outlaw uh, flash hiders or they're just trying to make it harder for people to buy ARs. Yeah. Um, so this is one that I would, I would be careful. Um, I just put a compensator on mine. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the one thing that I've noticed with the compensator is it does make it a lot louder. Yep. Um, especially, uh, down the line, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're in a horizontal line shooting it because the, um, the gas expels sideways. Yeah. It really, really makes it loud. Oh yeah. Um, from behind the, the, the rifle, it, it doesn't seem too bad. Um, uh, but if you're standing on either side, yeah, uh, you know, be ready because the, oh, yeah. y- you'll, you'll feel the, the, uh, the percussion, you know, just, yeah, oh, yeah. um, 
and you know, it, I've never shot it at night, so I don't know how much flash it has. But uh, with the compensator, man, it's got way more control. Uh, yeah. That muzzle does not rise at all. Oh no, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it stays on target. It's, pretty it's, nice. it's pretty crazy. I, I always joke like, yeah, the flash suppressor. I think a lot of the times when these these people are writing these laws, and I mean, I, again, this is all speculation. I have no idea, but yeah. I believe when a lot of the times these, these lawmakers are, are essentially writing these laws, they hear the word suppressor and they immediately think, oh, it makes it quieter. It's like having a silencer or it takes the flash away completely to where you can't see it at all. You'd have no idea. I don't think they truly understand that a flash suppressor really doesn't make it any less loud or make it yeah. any – like, I mean, yeah, it mitigates a little bit of the flash but not a lot. I mean you can still see it at night, no problem. Yeah, I think a lot of these things are getting um, outlawed based off the name. Yeah. I mean yeah. flash hider. What does it do? It hides your flash. Well, we can't have that. Yeah. Oh, what about a compensator? I don't know. Who, yeah. uh, who knows? That's fine. Is, yeah, really what it's doing is the compensator is making you a heck of a lot more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, Theodore's right. The, the muzzle brakes are one of those things where some guys swear by them and love them. Um, I, I did the same thing. I just put a compensator on mine, um, as well. But the, those muzzle brakes are a lot of them look similar to flash mm-hmm. suppressors. So even though you may have a muzzle brake, it may be totally legal. I'd hate to be in a situation where you now have to explain that no, it is a muzzle brake and then prove that it's a muzzle brake or just anything like that. Yeah, so. and, like, and like I said, the the gray area, um, because there's so many muzzle brakes that are designed to do both, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that that's kind of a risk. Yeah. Um, you know, mine is a compensator and is only sold as a compensator. Yep. So, as, as I mean, mine. that's my argument. I don't know if, if somebody would say that that's not legal, but... It should be. I mean, according to what I, my understanding of the law, it's legal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but they sell a lot of cool ones. That, you know, a lot of they now nowadays they have like a lot of tunable compensators. Yeah. Um, where they have a bunch of screws that kind of plug in, and then you can uh, remove screws to you know release gas wherever you want it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you if your uh, if your muzzle's rising up, you can you know let some relieve some gas on the top or the sides or however yeah. you want to do it. They they, uh, they have a lot of cool ones, and those aren't just California League. I mean, those aren't just for Californians; those are for everybody. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people all over the United States use those. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. Some of these fixes, really, it, you know, it's it's kind of cool. I don't know that I would have ever put a compensator on on my AR build had I, if I didn't need to. And, I, I wanted to put one on. And okay. Yeah. And so for me, it was kind of cool. Cause now I'm going, Oh, this is, this is actually pretty neat. Um, I, I like having the compensator on there. Um, same thing with the Ledesma grip. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer it to the standard pistol grip that, but that's just me. Um, so, um, now we've got the compensator or the muzzle brake taken care of. Um, last but not least, let's talk about the foregrips. Now, a lot of guys love to rock those vertical foregrips. Um, that way they've got, you know, a way to, to manage the, um, front of the, the barrel and, and, and keep it steady. Um, unfortunately in California, any type of vertical foregrip or any pistol style foregrip, um, are illegal. Um, so, um, let's talk about some of the foregrip, uh, ideas as, as far as what, what you can have as a foregrip on your AR-15. Well, I think most people go with the uh, the hands. Well, I shouldn't say most people, but the most popular one that I've seen. Yeah. Is uh, yeah, just your little your your hand stop. Yeah, that's what I have on mine. Yeah. The Magpul hand stop. I love it. It's it's actually pretty cool. Low profile, low weight. 
Um, and, and I think a lot of people would go with that regardless. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I really feel like there's two, generally two schools of thought with, with the foregrip. A lot of the guys just prefer that, that vertical foregrip mm-hmm. and in California you can't have it. So I think 90% of the people go with that, the hand stop now. Yeah. Me personally, I've never been a big fan of the foregrip, uh, vertical foregrip. Um, the, the, my big problem with this law is like my dad, for example, um, had a bad shoulder injury, so he can't lift his arm uh, high enough to, to really aim. Right. Um, so with that vertical foregrip would make it easier for him because he's got a rotator cuff injury. Um, so when he rotates his palm upward, he can't lift his arm all the way up. But right. if he has it sideways, like holding a vertical foregrip, he, can, he has more control and he can actually uh, use it. Um, but that's illegal. So... Well, you, you, know, know. you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I think a lot of people who have never shot AR-15s before, you take them out to the range and, and their natural reaction is to not want to put their hand around the um, the uh, handguard. Yes, yeah, handguard. Yeah, they, they, because it's it's too close to the barrel and, and everything. And so there's, there's like a little bit of uh, timidness that goes with it. And so that's where I think the vertical foregrip is good. A lot of people, like I said, love them. Me personally as well. I, I've not usually like, I, I, that's not something I would, I would probably put on mine. Um, I wanted the hand stop from the beginning. So I was happy that that was a feature that I could have. Um, one of the other solutions, uh, if you don't really like that low profile hand stop and you want something with a little more, um, a little more, uh, surface area to it would be the angled foregrip. Uh-huh. Um, those are super popular. I know, again, I, I'm a Magpul fan. So uh, for me, everything on my AR is, is pretty much Magpul um, or Ledesma. And so um, the uh, Magpul angled foregrip is pretty cool. I know you see that a lot in video games. Um, it's featured in like a lot of the, the Battlefield series and, and Call of Duty. A mm-hmm. lot of them use it. So it's popular. What's funny is I don't know that many people that actually have them. I think I know like maybe one or two people that I know personally that shoot ARs that swear by the angle foregrip. But for the most part, I, I really don't see it a lot. Yeah, I've, I've, I rock no foregrip. So <laughs> <laughs> I go straight hand guard. Man. There you go, man. Um, and what about the, the Riker side grip? That's not something I'm very familiar with. So the Riker side grip is actually pretty cool. Um, I've been seeing it advertised a lot lately and it is a good solution for somebody like um, your dad, my uncle, who um, has a shoulder injury. And the reason for that is it, it acts similar to a vertical foregrip. It's mounted on the side um, of your AR rather than on the bottom. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like a uh, ergonomically like angled um, – almost like a, like an oval, but it's, it's leaning, uh, forward out. Basically. Okay. So almost like a knob. Yeah. Like a knob, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like a, a knob that you have on the end of the end of the barrel there. And, and you, I mean, you could put it anywhere on the, on the barrel, but yeah, you put it on, um, whatever your, um, forward side is and basically you grip it and it, you, you're going to grip it vertically rather than, um, horizontally. But, um, a lot of guys who can't have the angle foregrip prefer it. Um, just cause it makes it a little easier and you don't have to rotate your hand underneath the, the barrel, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't, I have personally haven't used one, but uh-huh. I, I've been seeing them advertised a ton. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. They, they <laughs> look pretty cool. I mean, they're like kind of, they're kind of unique. Um, but, but again, they're, they're pretty cool for people that, that prefer them or that need them. So, um, I, I'm sure there's other foregrip ideas. Some guys will literally just put rail covers all mm-hmm. the way around and, for them, that's more than enough. They're gonna they're gonna grip the rail no matter what. So having rail covers is a, a quick and easy fix. 
Um, now, before we jump into, um, uh, well, actually, that, that summarizes the featureless AR. Um, that essentially takes, takes care of all of the so Yeah, and, and, and once, uh, once you have a fully featureless AR, um, you have, can have a standard magazine release. Which is pretty cool. Yes, which uh, is the reason why most people go that route. It, yeah. Um, because, I mean, even with, uh, with, with the bullet button... Um, it's still, you know, you have to use a tool yeah. to take it out. That, that was kind of uh, uh, inconvenient. Um, so I, I think, you know, if, if I, would, I probably would have went featureless anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, you're going to take the bullet button off and use a standard right. magazine release. Right, it makes um, it a lot easier. Um, now, before we get into our next uh, workaround to the uh, AR laws, uh, let's revisit the cigar. Uh, well, for me... Um, I've had to touch this thing up about three times. Yeah, I'm, I can definitely tell the construction not as good as some of the other ones we've mm-hmm. had. But uh, very flavorful. Yeah, super good. I don't mind having to retouch it if the flavor is that good. Mm-hmm. If it if it's if it's the cigar where I'm like, wow, this is this is really really uh, tastes good. It it um, the amount of smoke, the draw is good. Everything is good, other than the fact that I've had to relight it. I think twice now. Yeah, I'm a little uh, over halfway up. Uh, about the halfway point, I um, was having trouble keeping it lit, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, it just kicked back up where right. I didn't have to babysit it so much. So the area of the wrapper on mine that was cracked, that's where I started catching a lot of issues with it staying lit and uh-huh. relighting it. It was starting to char all over the outside of the wrapper. Now that I'm past that, it's good. It's starting to get a tad more uh, peppery to it or a little bit more of a yeah, bite I could, to I it. Feel a little bit um, bite. However, the flavor is getting better um, mm-hmm. as we go too. So it's kind of... Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of negating the fact that it's getting a little, a little crispier. <laughs> and um, I think it pairs perfectly with this uh, Rebel Yell. Yeah, I think the sweetness, uh, the sweetness of sweetness really, really uh, lends itself well to this cigar. Um, I'm still on my first pour. Um, I think Ryan may have uh, poured himself another finger or two. Um, About a finger. Uh, yeah. This time it's neat, and even neat, it's delicious. Yeah, I, I've noticed. Um, as my ice melts, which if you listen to the podcast, you you know that I like my whiskey with a little bit of uh, melted ice. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of dumbs down the sweetness, uh, which is pretty good for me. Um, I don't like overly sweet uh, whiskey. Yeah. I will say, yeah, the, the neat, the sweetness is a tad overwhelming, but mm-hmm. still pretty good. Not bad by any means. All right. Back to um, our last kind of note here on... Um, the AR, the featureless AR, well, this one actually isn't featureless. It is the workaround that we like to call the fixed magazine <laughs> AR. So this is for all you people that um, don't want to keep your, uh, your or you want to keep all your evil features. <laughs> you can have your flash hider, you can have your vertical pistol grip, and you can have your adjustable uh, stock yep. um, as long as your magazine is fixed. Yep. Um, so there's a couple ways... Um, there's, uh, the AR Maglock style and, uh, AR Maglock is not the only company that, that makes this. Uh, there are multiple companies coming out with, uh, different systems, but, uh, essentially what you need to do is you need to open the action of your gun to remove the magazine. Um, so kind of before this law, it was, you needed a, a tool to, to release your magazine. So that's why the bullet button was legal. Now you need to actually open up the, um, the, the action. 
Um, so it, all these systems are a combination of two things. Um, it's gonna be your magazine release button will not engage unless your action's open. So a lot of them, they just uh, put a little, um, a little arm on the magazine release that, 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 that hits the upper. So when you press the button, your, your magazine release doesn't go anywhere because it's, it's pushing up against your upper. So if you lift your upper up um, you know, a centimeter, then it gives it enough room and then it no longer makes contact with your upper, the uh, magazine release, and your magazine will um, release. So the second part of that is your, uh, your, takedown, your rear takedown pin. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to take the rear takedown pin out, lift your upper, and then uh, hit your magazine release, then your magazine will drop, close it, and then lock your pin in again, and then, yeah, put your magazine in, run your bolt. Um, I think it's, they, they've come up with a lot of systems, a lot of systems that uh, can, uh, can do this fast, but yeah. it's still not as fast. As featureless. As featureless, because you just push the button, load your magazine in. Uh, the problem is, is you have to slam your bolt forward, or yeah. get forward, because your, your uh, upper won't come up, or won't uh, disengage without your, your uh, bolt forward. Yeah. Um, then you obviously have to lift your upper up, uh, hit the magazine release, close it, um, put your magazine back in, and then you have to charge it again. Yeah. Because uh, it's not stayed in the lock position like it's designed to do. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, there, there's a lot of different um, companies that are making uh, ways to make it faster. A lot of them are, you know, you, you just have to barely open it a little bit and you can, you know. <laughs> Disengage, like they get that, whatever the minimum is, whether it's like a, a centimeter or a couple millimeters or whatever it is, it does just enough uh, for you to be able to, to operate, disengage the magazine and then, and then put your, uh, put your new magazine in. But yeah, I think the problem is, is no matter how fast it is, there's still more steps to it mm -hmm. than, than having a feature list with a normal magazine release. Yeah. There, that, I think that's more of the issue. Like, and, and if you go that way, there's there's no easy way to take that off. I mean, if you wanted to go out of state, you're going to have to uh, remove your magazine release and do all that if you wanted to use it like a normal AR. So yeah, essentially you're doing a small um, rebuild of your lower and mm -hmm. upper or you know whatever, whatever system you have, what features that come with that system all have to be replaced. Yeah. Um, that's the part that I don't like about it. The other thing too is oftentimes to get a system that functions well and is fast, you're going to spend a lot of money. Yes. So to be fair, when building my um, AR, uh, I think I spent an additional – I know I totaled it up and it was under $150 to get um, – instead of getting a standard grip and instead of getting the – you know, the flash suppressor. Um, and then, like I said, to add the stock lock pin, I think was 10 bucks, but to get a California compliant kit, um, to make everything on my AR California compliant, like I said, I think I spent about a hundred to $120 mm -hmm. to do that. So imagine that you're in another state, you have your AR, you now come to California in order to convert a standard AR 15 from, from any other state where a, a standard AR is, is totally okay. You're going to spend about $100 to $150 to, to convert it to California compliant in the featureless, um, the featureless settings essentially. Yeah. Um, not to mention – and this is a topic for another day but 10-round magazines. So then you'll have to spend you – know, if you want to get 10 magazines, you're going to spend at least $120 to, to $200 mm -hmm. depending on the magazines you, you prefer um, to get all new magazines. 
So right there, you're already spending an additional $200 to $300 just to make it California compliant, right? With the feature list, or sorry, with the Fix Magazine, um, oftentimes those systems alone are $300 to $400. Yeah, just depending to build, on the system you're going to Yeah, you can do it for cheap. There, there are systems that are under $100, but they're pretty clunky. They require a lot more steps to... Um, you know, release the upper from the lower, pull out, you know, the takedown pin, all, you know, it just takes forever to reload um, on some of them. So in my opinion, uh, not only is it cheaper, but it's more efficient to have the featureless mm-hmm. uh, rifle in, in California. Yeah, I agree 100%. Now, let me ask you this, because I don't really know a whole lot about the AR uh, fixed magazine uh, systems, but I, I've been seeing a lot about these non-removable magazines. Uh-huh. Um, which is different than the, the Maglock um, style release, so to speak. So can you tell me more about how those non-removable magazines work and, well, and maybe what the pros and, and cons are? Uh, essentially, the, the ones that I've seen, there, there's a couple different ones. So you have, uh, you have your top-loading uh, magazines, uh, and that would be a magazine that you would open your action and you actually feed the magazine from uh, the top of your lower down. Um, and those you load the uh, the bullets in that magazine uh, from the top with your mag with your uh, action open, and you essentially just just load it like you would a normal magazine, but it's still in your in your rifle. So more like an old school bolt action rifle. I mean, you're top yeah, loading these things. Kind of top loading. Huh. <laughs> Almost like a uh, like an M1 or SKS where you need like you know you got to take a probably a stripper clip and just. You, yeah, you can. You know. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Ah, man. Yes. <laughs> that is... Uh, well, the whole front end of your barrel is hanging out in front yes. of you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. And that's not... I mean, th- that that might be okay for people that are just going to be at the range mm. or whatever. Yeah, do maybe long-distance sports yeah. shooting or... I um, don't know. But, you know, I wouldn't recommend that for any practical use. <laughs> um, the other one uh, that was popular a couple months ago, where I was, I've kind of seen them everywhere, are... Um, um, I'm sorry, I don't know the company that makes it. Uh, but it's essentially the same way you you install it from the top down, like okay. like you did, like you would the other magazines. But there's a little window. Uh, actually, it's a little slide that goes over the magazine that you pull down, um, and with your action and everything closed, you can access the the magazine from uh, the side, the like, side of like your, a side of your magazine. Yes, yeah, so it's a side port essentially. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's like a spring, and I think from the outside of the magazine, you like you pull the spring down, and then you just drop your your bullets in there. And then uh, you you slide the cover uh, to to cover the side port, and then you the spring release, yeah, shoots up essentially. Yeah, you release the spring, and then it, it uh, puts it under pressure, and then you use them that way. Um, and I seen I seen people. Um, I think they had like preloaded like like stripper clips there, where you can just boom, you know, load those things up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, to me, uh, magazines are one of those things that can go wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and if, if there's a, a feeding issue, um, you know, you're essentially have to have another magazine handy and you have to take it out. And actually that one requires an install. So it, it, uh, I, I believe, um, uh, there's a couple of Allen screws in there that lock that magazine, that whole system in place. Right. Um, so that's, that to me is not, not the way to go either. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's another option. It'll let you keep all your features and everything. Right. Um, but you know, you just don't have a magazine. So, um, two, two, two things to note with the top loading, the thing that worries me about that. Okay. Back to the top loading where you gotta, where you gotta manually push them in, feed them Uh in like a bolt action SKS, something like that. My worry with that is, is now you've got this AR and let's say you want to unload it quickly or you need to unload it. You're at the range and it's a line break and now you got to unload it. Now you got to rack out every single one of those mm-hmm. essentially to get those out of the magazine. Correct. I mean, that's in my mind, that's probably one of the, the only ways to get the, the bullets out. Right. That would, yes. Um, I've never thought about it, but I think that's the only way you'd have to, you'd have to manually unless you can, run the charging handle and eject every single one. Unless you could open up the action and then slide the magazine up out or do those ones, are those ones fixed in uh, there as well? No, the, the ones that I've seen, um, if you open up the action, you can pull the magazine out. Oh, so that might be the, the quick way yeah. to do it. But even still, my worry with that is just, it's not as simple as just dropping the magazine, racking the charging handle, making sure, okay, I'm clear, I'm clear, yeah. I'm clear. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's my worry with that one. The side loading, now this is, to me, it's just a kind of a joke or funny. I, I'm sure that they're useful, but um, I guess two points on this is, A, it reminds me of an airsoft magazine <laughs> where you pull, or a BB gun magazine where you pull the spring down, you pour in your BBs, and once it hits the top, boom, you hit it, and you're good to go. Or even like an old school uh, 22 where you just feed them down the tube, and all right, we're yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, know? and that could have been the uh, inspiration. It, uh, it, it very well amazing. could have been. My worry with it is at least with the top loading magazines, you know that they function very similar to a normal magazine. Um, with these side loading magazines, they're new. Um, they're newly innovated. Are they, are they battle tested? Are they tried and true? Not that you're going to want to take this thing and do anything, but let's talk about, um, you know, like if, if, if uh, worst case scenario, end of the world, zombie apocalypse type thing, I mean, I wonder how well they function. And like you said, magazines are one of those things. You want to know that your magazine is reliable. You yeah. know, um, you can buy a budget build AR, but get good magazines. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, you want to make sure that your magazines feed. Yeah. And that's my worry is that they haven't been around all that long. So I wonder, you know, what the longevity of them are. Especially if you're pulling that spring down, then releasing it and pulling it down. You know what I'm saying? And so that's my worry with that. Um, Essentially, what, what's going on in California is as the lawmakers make the laws, um, the manufacturers of accessories and, and guns are kind of making uh, workarounds. Um, and actually, if you want me to, to, anal- to give you an analogy, it's like um, uh, computer hackers where uh, uh, computer um, uh, antivirus companies, they're constantly trying to patch uh, these hackers from getting out or getting into systems. And so it's just, it's a battle between, okay, here's, now you, now you can't exploit this. And then the hacker goes, oh yeah, let me try a different workaround. Right, right. And, um, you know, it, it, it's really not, um, I, I shouldn't say not fair. I mean, uh, to me it isn't, it's not right, fair. But right, right. You know this this battle between lawmakers and um, and the manufacturers when really these laws are just unfair in my well, opinion. Well, the thing that that upsets me about the whole thing is you've got all these guys that make their living off of providing quality um, weapon systems and accessories to consumers that want to purchase them, and now because of these laws, the companies are being hit with. Um, all this research and development now that they have to pay for and do to manufacture these new parts so that way people in California and New York and in a lot of these states where these featureless items are required or where anything, for example, is restricted and required, 
they're having to put all their time and effort into developing these. In turn, that costs them a lot of money, which then gets passed on to the consumer as well. There is no reason why a Kydex fin should cost me $40. No. It's a piece of Kydex with a screw. Yes. I mean, in reality, in order to probably manufacture it, I'm going to guess it costs less than probably $2 to manufacture it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little more, but still. No, I, but think, the fact, I think that's about right. But the fact that they're selling these for $40 or more even um, is ridiculous. But it's simply because they're having to spend so much money to figure out, okay, let's test a ton of different ways to cut this Kydex and mold it and manufacture it and shape it. There's a hundred different types of pistol grips now that we got to form them around. You got to make sure you buy the right one for your pistol grip or buy a pistol grip that fits the Kydex fin that we offer. Um, and, and I'm just using that as an example, but it's the same thing with these magazines. Now these companies that are producing them are going, okay, there's a need, let's figure out how to do it, but it's going to cost us a lot of money to get there. Yeah. And then that, that cost us is uh, right. Set down to the consumer. Right. Yeah. And so that's why for me with when, when they said featureless, I'm like, okay, compensators are common. Fixed uh, stocks are common. I, I went with, I mean, I know I use the, the stock lock, but basically everything on my rifle is fairly standard mm-hmm. that fits into the featureless category. I yeah. didn't do anything that was too out of the norm. Even with the magazines that I chose, I chose 10 round magazines that are still in the body of a, of a uh, you know, the longer 30 round mm-hmm. Um, body, but they're ten, they're fixed ten round magazines. Which um, you know, it's it's. I know it's a tried and true system. It's the same spring, but it's shortened to ten rounds. It's one of those things where it's like I know it's going to work. Um, uh, some of these other options are super cool. Um, from what you're telling me, they sound really interesting, especially in the fixed magazine. But yeah, I wonder: a are they all that uh, user friendly? Um, are they quick? Are they efficient? And then are they going to last? And and yeah. that's more my my concern. Well, I would. Um Back to the fixed magazines, not necessarily uh, a bad thing. Um, the top-loading magazines have a one huge perk, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and if you get the top-loading magazine that doesn't require any install, uh, they're great for transporting your, your AR. Uh, because if by any chance there's any question, like say you have a muzzle brake slash <laughs> flash hider, yeah. and somebody's like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to have that. Um, you can just say, look, it's fixed magazine. Yeah. My magazine's fixed. Everything's, you know, uh, that nullifies every, every right. other, uh, thing. And if you transport it that way to me, that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. And then when you get to the range, you can just use your, you know, pull that thing out, use your regular magazines. And then, yeah. uh, when you're ready to, to, uh, pack it up, put that, uh, well, fixed magazine in there. And, and honestly, if you're just going to be doing target shooting and things like that, you're not doing any type of defensive training or uh-huh. anything where you're, you're having to change out magazines. It's really not a bad option. Um, like I said, if, if, if there is a way, like, like you were saying, where you can just lift the, uh, uh, upper and then just pop that thing out, it's, it really isn't as bad as I initially thought when you were describing it. Um, yeah. and so for me, I would say, okay, you know, that, that's not a big deal. The, um, the other thing that, that we didn't talk about, um, which again is, is probably for another day, but they do make 10 round magazines that are just short 10 rounders. And those are always good as well too. I mean, if you want to, if you were worried about the whole 10, 30 round and feature list and everything. Yeah. Else, so. Um, because, uh, just to get into the, to the magazines a little bit, um, uh, the, there, there's a little bit of a gray area that from my understanding could be an issue. Um, and Ryan kind of did the research and, and figured out, uh, uh, his interpretation of the law. Um, but uh, from my understanding, the, the magazines, if they're 30, if they're 10 thirties, uh, right. which are 10 round magazines in a 30 round uh, case, then um, they cannot, 
you can't uh, take them apart and you know quick pretty, modify yeah quick them. modify them yeah. back to a thirty rounder. Yeah. Um, but uh, what Ryan found is. Um, if they have a 10 round spring, then you can't turn them back into a 30 rounder without right. buying extra parts. Yeah. You can't just pull the riser. Cause a lot of those initially when it came out, a lot of them had a riser, yeah. which took up the place of 10 round or 20 rounds. Mm-hmm. And then it would just crunch that 30 round spring down to only a 10 round capacity. Part of the problem is that's horrible for the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's constantly sitting with 20 rounds of, of pressure, so to speak. And then guys would just go to the range or whatever and put their risers in. And then when they got home, they would pull the riser out and now they've got a 30-round magazine. A lot of companies now are either pinning them or they're doing – like the ones that I purchased, they have a 20-round riser but with a 10-round spring. So if you pull that riser out, you're not going to be able to shoot anything out of it. Yeah, your magazine is completely ineffective. Um, And the magazines that I have, they're um, permanently modified. So uh, (laughs) – Basically, I don't know how they did it, but uh, it's it's almost like they super glued the bottom of the magazine, so you just cannot take the magazine apart, um, which is uh, not good. I mean, I only have two of them, um, so I'm probably going to purchase some some other ones. Um, It's not good for cleaning and maintenance purposes. Yeah, because yeah, essentially you're you're you can never take your magazine apart. Yeah, yeah, and so so those we'll we'll have a whole other topic on. the you know low capacity versus high capacity yeah. magazines. The other workaround is it's not it's not illegal to buy any magazine parts separately. True, <laughs> it's just illegal to have them all together. Yeah, have them all together. So if you are shooting out of state doing competitions, there are a lot of guys in California that go out of state and participate mm-hmm. in three gun competitions or um, you know defensive training things like that. Um, it is it's totally okay to have them um, disassembled and then you know when you go out and do what you're going to do. Um, out of state, then, then you're good. Um, the only reason why I wanted to just bring up that little bit on it is simply because we are talking about ARs and it's the nature of the beast. So, um, again, we will come back with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than that, that, that's pretty much it. That sums up everything I had to, to say about the AR 15 laws, both featureless. And then obviously, you know, a lot more about the fixed magazine option. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that that's uh, California in a nutshell for everybody who uh, <laughs> wants to own um, a quote unquote assault rifle. So to sum <laughs> up, what we're saying is you got to jump through a lot of extra hoops, spend a lot of extra money, and uh, and just kind of be uh, out of disadvantage no matter what. However, um, the lesser of all the evils, in my opinion, is the featureless option. Yeah, um, and you know that's the, that's the route that I went also. Um, so, so I agree. You have, do you have any closing thoughts on the cigar? I uh, had to relight again. Um, I'm definitely, you can definitely tell that these are budget cigars it, at the $4 price point. Um, the flavor's all there. Yeah. They, 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 they taste like an $8 cigar to me. <laughs> um, but you can definitely tell that $4 price point is, is totally due to construction. I would say a budget construction. Budget construction. On a premium taste. On a premium. <laughs> it's a, it's a featureless cigar. It's a- <laughs> You have to keep relighting it. And <laughs> so actually, this is a perfect cigar for our topic today. Um, yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on the whiskey? Whiskey is still sweet. <laughs> still good. At the end of the day, I could drink this in the midnight hour and it will keep me crying for more and more and more. So. Well, for me personally on the whiskey, a uh, little too sweet for me to um, drink regularly. It, it's not bad though. Um, you know, I, I definitely would recommend this for beginners. Yeah. Um, uh, or for people that that don't typically drink uh, bourbon straight. Yeah. 
um, you know, this would be, might be a good one to get somebody into cause it's, it, uh, it, no, there's no burn, you know, yeah. on the way down. Yeah. It's, it's pretty smooth. Um, and you know, it's, it's got that sweetness that I think a lot of people might be looking for. Um, that's just not a particular flavor that, uh, that I, that you, used to. I, I don't think either of us truly appreciate as some, uh, others might uh, good for beginners though. Um, and actually I'm quite excited. Maybe I'll have a, another glass later this evening, uh, mixed with some cola or something to that effect. Yeah. And I think, uh, it, I think at, it'd be really good. Mixed. At about $20. I mean, you're, you're not throwing away a, a no, ton of money. That's about the same price as a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, um, follow us at, at smoke the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Um, as always, thank you everybody for your support, and uh, you know we really appreciate it. Yeah, any any feedback is welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. We love to know what we can improve on. Um, if you noticed a little difference in sound today, it's because uh, it's raining and we had some technical difficulties outside. So we are actually uh, indoors today, um, and it's uh, it's actually quite nice. <laughs> it's not not yeah. we're we're from California, so anything below like sixty degrees is cold. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, again, thank you for listening. Give us your feedback. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram again at smoke the podcast. I think that went super good. Yeah. Yeah. Went pretty good. Yeah, I think so. That was a, that was a good one. <laughs>